You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric Desoap here. Excited to be joined by an NLC Sacramento fellow from 2019. Michael Lemus is here. Always great to talk to folks in California. He's got a lot of interesting professional projects he's working on. We'll catch up with him on that. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. All right, Michael, we were chatting before we started recording about you being from Los Angeles and now you're in Sacramento. What would you say is the biggest difference between LA and Sacramento? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think for me on a personal front, it's been more of the just food. So LA, I mean, it has so many different cultures, so many different types of people. Sacramento's pretty diverse, uh, but I think LA just brings tons of people from all over you know, the country, but also all over the world. And so I definitely miss some more of the diversity in food, uh, but luckily, you know, LA is just an hour flight away um, or a six hour drive. So it's not too far. You know, and then the, the application for fellows closed uh, recently. And I was curious what you remember about deciding to, to apply to NLC and what your NLC experience was like. Yeah. You know what? It's funny. As the recruitment period was going, especially I'm in the comms chair role for our chapter this year. And nice. I was definitely reflecting a lot on just my own recruitment process. Um, and, you know, for me, I was working in higher education at the time and I was doing a lot of work specifically in, you know, the, the diversity front. And I was training a lot of workshops um, on inclusion mm-hmm. and identities at the time when I was actually going through the interview process for NLC. And I just remember just being really intrigued by the organization, but specifically on defining the word progressive and really leaning into what that means as far as advocacy. And so I remember the interview process and going through it and just the whole application. Um, for me, thankfully, you know, it was pretty seamless, but I think getting to the interview process is really where I liked just getting to know the other people that were involved. And it really felt like it was like my niche. And so when I got to know the people through the interview, I was just like, okay, I think this is a really good place to be. And thankfully, I mean, I've continued to be involved <laughs> since I've actually gone through the Institute. So it's been a pretty good experience. For sure. Well, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about California Student Aid Commission, where you you work, and they're, yeah. they're one of the largest statewide groups when it comes to financial aid. How do you describe what you do for them? Yeah, so I'm very fortunate to go ahead and actually work for the California Student Aid Commission. And so what we do is we administer the state grants for financial aid for students. So through the FAFSA or the California Dream Act application, because we actually do have aid available for undocumented students here in California as well. Um, And so I actually lead the agency's marketing and outreach strategy. Mm -hmm. And so we are in charge in our unit of making sure that we're getting the word out about all these programs and the applications. um, And then also making sure that we're consistent with our branding um, and really just getting the word out to students and parents. That's really the the big mission that we have in terms of, you know, getting the the messaging out there, making sure these students and their families are informed on the application process because Financial aid could be complex to understand, and so we're trying to make it as easy as possible. And I know one of the things that really heated up during the presidential primary, especially for folks in the NLC community, was all the conversation about uh, student loan debt and ways to either cancel that or just to kind of reconsider how how aid is done. Are, do any of those conversations impact the work that you're doing, or is that have you noticed any difference in how people think or talk about financial aid and some of the longer term financial realities of getting that aid? How would you uh, describe where where folks are based on what you're hearing? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, honestly, once the pandemic hit, we saw a decline in applications for, you know, those student aid applications. And so 
for us, it was really making sure that we're trying to go ahead and make the, the information digestible so that the students mm-hmm. and families really understand it. But also, you know, we saw a pretty um, steep decline for our undocumented students with the California Dream Act application. And so we immediately jumped on and said, okay, what does our marketing need to look like? What do the messaging points need to look like as we're going through so many periods of transition? And so we really made sure to go ahead and, and inform these communities because a lot of the students, you know, are are living in fear or they're anxious about the financial aid application. And for a lot of them, they're finding out that they're undocumented for the first time when they're going through mm. their college application or applying for financial aid. And so for us, it's more of like making sure that they understand that they qualify for aid. So that's really important because we're in a state that actually allows that. Um, but also that they don't feel othered. I think that's really important and making sure that they're aware that, you know, they deserve this aid as well. Um, and that we're strategic around our marketing efforts as it pertains to these different populations. And so, yeah, you know, there's been a huge impact with everything that's been going on. Um, so it's a lot to go ahead and keep track of. And so for us, it's just keeping up with, you know, where are the students, where are the families, um, and on the marketing front, really looking at what does the messaging need to look like and, you know, getting creative, we just got on TikTok. So that's another thing that we're discussing. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's a lot with marketing, things are always just moving quickly. And so you got to keep up with the trends. For sure. When we go back with Michael, we'll talk a little bit more about what else he's working on besides the main job that he has, like so many NLC folks, he's got some other things in the hopper as well. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be right back. Yeah, Michael, like so many NLC folks, there's usually the job and then there's something else going on that's also equally exciting and really interesting. And that I think is true for you as well. I know you're a founder and CEO of your own business and platform. I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you got going on. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that, you know, that's mentioned and it's, it rings true for NLC for sure that we all have multiple hats going on. And so, yeah, I'm actually the founder and CEO of Reclaim Your Happiness with Lemus LLC. It's a platform and a business, and it really centers around advocacy, reclaiming your power, inclusion, spirituality, and empowerment. So those are all things that when I describe myself to anyone, those are the pillars and how I would describe myself and this platform and business. And so what I mainly get to do through it is actually coaching and consulting. So there's more of the life coaching front, um, and then there's also more of the strategic brand consulting and helping people to develop their messaging and what their outreach strategies look like. Um, but for me, you know, I think what's really important in all the work that I get to do is making sure that people feel included in, in their identities. And I think that's a really big role for talking about anything having to do with personal and professional development. We have to be conscious of people's identities. You know, what does it even look like to access these types of services? And, you know, looking at it through an equitable framework is really important to me. Um, and honestly, for me, going into this industry and more the coaching front, is because I saw a lack of diversity. And so for me, it's like, hey, as a person of color, someone that identifies as queer, Latino, um, first generation, it was really important for me to take up that space. And so it's been definitely a an interesting ride just to be an entrepreneur, but thankfully it's been working out pretty well. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it, it really is a, a lot to go ahead and just, you know, keep track of. And so I'm thankful that I have really great community and um, interns that definitely help out. But it's been it's been fun. It's been fun this far. And I'm always curious when folks start initiatives like this, is it a case where you had folks that you were already doing this work for and there was sort of enough momentum to put it into yeah. something more formal or did you kind of take the leap and 
used word of mouth and people have found you since then. How did the kind of early stage go? Yeah, you know, it was I was in higher ed at the time when I started thinking about this and I realized and it was other people that actually helped me to realize this as well, because I invested in a life coach at the time um, a couple years ago. And my life coach at the time told me, she's like, you know, a lot of the things that you do in higher ed, you can actually run a business on. And she's like, you do advising and counseling and training and facilitation and all of these things for different populations. So at the time, I was helping students. I was interacting with faculty and staff and external partners. And she's like, what would it look like if you actually just started your own business doing all of those things? And of course, you get to manage what it looks like. And that was the first time I was like, oh, I think this could actually be a thing. And um, I started to just go ahead and brand myself and market myself in that way. There were a lot of learning lessons along the way, of course, um, and worthiness things that I had to work on for myself as I just started to take on a new identity as an entrepreneur. Um, but, you know, luckily, I've always been someone and this is something that I, I can I continue to just, you know, reinforce in my life is is being strong as it pertains to community. And so the clients came really quickly. And I'm definitely very thankful for that. And it continues to just expand. Um, and social media has been really powerful. So I think the way that I've been able to brand myself and the platform as not just a service, not just a business, but more of a community platform where there's ways to interact with me in free ways too. It's not just about, you know, money and bringing in business. Um, and so I think the branding has actually helped me out a lot. Well, listen, last thing, how can folks find you and the services that you offer? Give us a little plug. Yeah, so I'm actually going into my second wave of business. I'm actually updating the brand and the services in the next couple of weeks. And so you'll be able to find those updates on my social media. It's really easy to find. So on Instagram is where I'm mostly at, but I'm at Arise with Lemus. So that's A-R-I-S-E with Lemus. Um, and you can also find updates on my website, which is also in the process of being updated at reclaimingyourhappinesswithlemus.com. Awesome. We'll put that information into the info for this episode. Make sure to check it out. Michael, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks to everyone for listening. Make sure to catch all the past episodes of The Zag that are up on all the places where you get your podcasts, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify. They're all there. Short and sweet, featuring our best new leaders in the NLC community. Thanks so much for tuning in. And until next time, we'll catch you soon.